Thanks for watching or listening. We're on episode 101 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell. As usual, always, please, please, please beg of you, if you're watching on YouTube, leave a nice comment and even leave a nasty one, I suppose, if you want. We'll, we'll look at it. But we, we've got Rhino Skinny, especially that Mr. Evans there. Oof, I don't know yeah. why. He's yeah. a hippo when Couldn't it comes care less. To... He couldn't send, send, less, any, so... send any comments you've got in it. It's good, you isn't just it? send them it's in. And if you're listening on iTunes <laughs> and Spotify, you can also say whatever you like. Uh, we don't care. But we want you to say nice things about our special guest because he's a he's a good <laughs> fella. Maybe John and myself aren't. You know John Evans, who's with myself, Steve Lillis. Our special guest this week, one of our VIP boxing stable stars, it's middleweight Bradley Ray. Brad, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks, mate. Good. Just uh, back in the gym this week, getting back into the swing of things. So, uh, yes, hopefully, hopefully we'll get some news for a fight soon and, and uh, yeah, get back to it. Yeah, it's been two months since you had that setback against Tyler Denny. And I think I saw you briefly at the Jolly Boys before Christmas and didn't Boxer want you out pretty quick on this bill on Saturday night in Manchester and you decided against it. Am I correct in thinking that? Yeah, so I think I think you mentioned it to Steve. Um but yeah, you know, I, I broke my hand in the fight. I've, I've not punched, you know, since the fight. Um, still, I've, I've still not got, got the all clear from the hospital. Yeah, I'm just back in the gym and just taking over at the moment. Hopefully, over the next week or two, I'm gonna get the all clear to uh, to crack on and you know start punching with both hands again. But um, yeah, but it's still it's still not hundred percent. But like I said, over the next few weeks, hopefully, we're gonna get the thumbs up. So, regarding this year for you, boxing-wise, when you get back into action, are you after the rematch with Denny or the winner of his fight with Brad Pauls, or might you take an alternative route for now? No, I'd love to. I'd love to get get back in, get back to winning ways, and then you know, I'd love, I'd love the the Denny fight again. Um, obviously, I know I can't just say I want the fight and it'll happen. You know, I, I've got a. I've got to prove myself. I've got to earn the fight, and I'll probably have to get myself in a in a position where, you know, that fight can happen. But um, you know, I'm willing to do that for for, you know, I feel like before I can move on and crack on with my career, you know, I want to, I want to put things right, and I feel like if I box him again, you know, I, I feel like I would do. Hey Brad, you just said then you you broke your hand. It's something a lot of people listening and watching will never have to go through in their entire life. We probably can't imagine it. But when you find yourself in a a hard fight like that was, where Denny was building momentum, you knew how to turn it round. Then your hand goes. How does that feel? Has it happened to you before? And how how do you you cope with it? Did you block yeah, it out, or can you feel it every time? What was it like? It's hard, you know. It, it's um, I struggle with bad hands anyway, um, you know. So I think a lot of the time it's managing it, whether it's through training or during the fight. Um, but I think it gets to a certain point, you know, I could feel it throughout the fight if I would land it at kind of a certain angle and, you know, I'd have a little wins. But I think later on in the fight, it got to the point where in my head I was, oh, fuck it, I'm getting beat here anyway. I might as well let it go. Um, you know, in the long run, did it do it a bit more damage probably? But, you know, I'll give it a good go in the last few rounds. And, you know, you just got to try and block them things out. And you can feel it during the fight, but, it's afterwards when you realise, you know, the damage you've done. And when I took the glove off after the fight, that's when I was like, oh, I've, I've, you know, done some damage here to this. But um, like I say, it's just part of the game. It's just part of the game. You've got to try and push through it. Yeah, it's, it's something people watching me just say, oh, he broke his hand, carry on throwing it. They've got no idea 
no idea what, not just the pain, but the mentality it takes to load up on a big right hand when it's broken. And do, do you have to like prepare yourself to throw it, you know, set it up for a few seconds and, and get yourself ready to, to do it? How, how does that work or does it just come out automatic? Yeah, no, I think sometimes it happens natural and you would pull it, but sometimes, you know, like you say, in your head, you think, right, I've got to let this go now. You've got to prepare yourself for the for the bit of pain that you're going to feel. Um, but when you're in there with the adrenaline and stuff, it's, you know, it's not it's not the usual pain you'd have from a, from a broken hand. You know, yeah. um, you just think, right, I've just got to let this go. Brilliant. Well, thanks for that. And all the best for your, for your, bo- your, your boxing career this year. And uh, I'm sure you'll be back to winning ways and ho- on them big shows again. But... What we'll do, we'll kick on now of our six rounds. You know how it works, Brad. You've been on before. Three minutes each topic. John has his stopwatch, or I don't know what he has, but he has a bell and something there that tells him when it's three minutes up. I have no idea what it, he might. He might have one, one of these guys who mentally knows everything. We don't. Well, know. you know, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a clock in my head. You know, three minutes in my head. I get the final ten seconds. And I just know where it's coming. That's cool. Lee Organ, who does the editing, doesn't take a blind bit of notice of it anyway. Because if you watch it back, he. It just goes every three minutes, regardless of the end of topic. Yeah. So I've tried telling Lee, but you know what? Big Lee threatens to come and do me if I'm too lippy. <laughs> so there you go. You know, so John John Evans is telling you now, Lee. Um, yeah. But there you go. Um, we'll crack on round one. Are you ready, Mr. Evans? Yeah, ready when you are. And uh, first subject, uh, a fight that uh, interests everybody. And in... Brad's division, and Brad wants to talk about this one. Eubank Jr. at Smith at the weekend. Give us your take, Brad. Yeah, I think it's a great matchup. Um, it's a really tough one to call, I think. A really tough one to call. And I think for me, it could potentially be a fight of two halves. Um, I think Eubank's style early on for Smith um, is going to be a nightmare. You know, I can see, I can see Eubank. Winning a lot of the a lot of the early rounds, um, but then I can see Smith coming on strong and winning a lot of the later rounds. Um, I think me my heart says Smith, my head says Eubank. It's a fight I'm torn about, but it's a fight I'm excited. And I think you know at some point it'll catch fire. And for me, I think it's going to be very entertaining. John. Yeah, I, I I can't wait for it. We loved this when it got announced, didn't we? Do you know what? The, the closer it's got the more I'm edging to Eubank. I, I just think, like Brad said, I think the style's going to be really, really difficult for Liam to overcome. And for size, I wonder if Liam can hurt Eubank enough because Eubank's got a tremendous chin, yeah. unbelievably fit, and he's big at the weight. And as much as Eubank's, you know, people are saying, oh, Smith's style could be really hard for Eubank with that constant pressure making him work. I just think those things make it pretty hard for Liam. But it's going to be a, a thrilling fight. I just wonder if Liam's bodywork might start to pay from like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. But as the fight gets closer, I'm edging more and more to Eubank. Yeah, we, we've seen Liam so often, you know, pace out a fight. You know, I think of the, the Liam Williams fights, particularly um, in the second half, how he come on. You know what? We're, uh, I, I, I'm still like this on it. You know, one I'm thinking now, and I've been thinking the last few days about how good Liam Williams' defence is. Can that frustrate you, Ben? I don't think he's got a fantastic defence. You know, maybe I'm a bit biased. John knows out, Brad, how much I, you know, I, I think of Liam Smith as a boxer and the fella as well. But um, you know what? I think there's something you said on this podcast that sticks with me a lot, John, when we were talking of Eubank Ben. 
And you were saying if George Groves, a banger, couldn't budge Eubank, then not Connor Ben wasn't. And I think it's the same in this, you know. And that, I, I just don't. I, I, I think that's got me. That's what's got me edging towards Eubank. I don't. I think Liam's defence can give him problems and frustrate him, but ultimately. I don't think Liam is going to have the power to put any 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 major dent in him, and I, 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 really, I don't think it's going to be a classic. I think it'd be a really good fight. Uh, I don't think we'll be clamouring for a rematch, and I'm I'm going to go Eubank on points, but I might change my mind before the weekend. Yeah, so there's um they've sparred, aren't they? So there's the old picture going around of them sparring at um. That's it was actually when I was sparring, yeah. Yeah, when I was at college in Bolton, that and it's where we used to train at Gallagher's gym, and it was in the gym that day. I remember watching the sparring. You know, if that's anything to go off. It, it'll be a good one. It'll definitely be a good one. The spar was good. You know what? I forgot about the sparring, and I was up there. It was for one of Liam's fights on Box Nation, and I was there the next day. And they, they, they and Liam wasn't doing a tr- lot. It was on a Wednesday, and Liam wasn't doing a lot that day because they'd done a big sparring session on the Tuesday, and people were saying how good it was. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I forgot no, all about that until it cropped up last week. Did you see that? What did you make of the spa, Brad? Yeah, you know, if that's anything to go off, uh, I think it'll uh, it'll catch fire at some point. Um, yeah, it was good as a as a young kid. I don't know how old I was, seventeen years old or something. I remember sitting and watching it and thinking, you know, this is a this is a high level spa. I think Eubank was probably a bit earlier on in his career. Yeah, at the time. Um, but yeah, you know, it was definitely definitely an entertaining one to watch. Are we three minutes there, John? Yeah, yeah, past. Well, Lee will be ringing bells by now and selling us off. So anyway, <laughs> round two. Um, Jack Massey fight the weekend uh, on the same bill at Manchester Arena or the AO Arena, whatever it's called now. It's the MEN to old fogies like myself. Um, Jack Massey moving up the heavyweight. Joseph Parker. A lot of people have raised eyebrows at this, but. You know what? I can see why he's done it. He's going to be getting a lot of money. He could be getting one eighty two to two hundred thousand for this fight, and you can't blame him. You know because he's lost to React Poor at cruiserweight, and he could look at the cruiserweight divisions and a collie. There's a Coley out on his own. He could fight Chris Billum Smith and React Poor. Either of them get about sixty grand, and he wouldn't be a favourite in those fights. So business wise, I see why 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 he's gone for this fight, even though I can't make a case from obviously people will look for, you know, a couple of people said to me, oh, you got to look how bad Parker was against Junior Four. Ah, uh, I think it was in 2021. But since then, he's had those two Chisora fights and that epic with, with Joe Joyce. And it's hard to make a case for, for, for Jack Massey, but, you know, boxing's about money and I can see why he's gambled with this and good luck to him. Even if I, you know, I, I can't make much of a case for him. How do you see it, John? Yeah, same. I, I, Parker is, is going to stop him, isn't he? I know he, Parker got stopped by Joyce, but if Parker lands even two or three of the bombs that he landed on Joyce, it's going to be tough work for Massey, isn't it? I understand it perfectly, yeah. You know, he's a big lad, Jack. Got nothing to lose. All he has to do is put up a, a good show in an exciting fight. It doesn't matter the outcome. He's going to get business off the back of it, isn't he? So, yeah, fully understand him and good luck to him for taking the challenge. Right. Yeah, you know, I've got a lot of time for Jack. Um, got on very well with him. He's a top lad. But like you say, it's a very big ask. A very big ask. Um, like you say, for the money he's probably getting, um, it's definitely worth the risk. And, you know, with 
like you say, with um, Parker when he boxed far and did he underestimate him? Did he take training a little bit lightly? And, you know, he probably didn't do that against the Joyce's or who he's boxing then because he's a big dangerous heavyweight. You know, is he going to underestimate Jack a little bit? Is he going to pull off in the training a little bit? And you never know that it can give, like you say, um, a good performance for Jack, what he could lead on to in his career. But, you know, you've, you've, you've got a favour Parker. and um, But hopefully being on a boxer show and, you know, putting in a good performance could lead on to, like you say, they've got Billum Smith now. They've got React Paul. Um, Isaac Chamberlain's been on boxer shows. Like I say, Akoli looks like he's potentially moving moving to boxer. Um, so it's going to open doors for him. Like I say, a big payday. At the end of the day, it's what boxing's about, you know, providing for your family. And um, like I say, hopefully it can lead on to, to bigger things, even if he doesn't get a decision. Brilliant. Well, round three is John's first, first topic. Power punches, John. Yeah. I, I remember talking to Colin Hart down in the old Box Nation days about this. And he said one of the things that holds a lot of, lot of British fighters back, apart from people like Lewis and the heavyweights, is lack of real power at the top level. He said, you know, we've got good fighters, but when it gets to that level where they're fighting these tough Mexicans and Americans, it's that lack of power that sometimes just holds them back. And it's always stuck in my mind. But I was looking through the people we've got coming through at the moment. We've got Dubois and then um, Itauma coming through at the moment, you know, if people are raving about and if you would believe the stories. But then on the lower levels, Brad can punch as well. We've got people like Mark Chamberlain. We've got oh, Sam Noakes. We've got Tommy Tenet. Fletcher. And we've just got out-and-out out punchers coming through. And I was just wondering to Brad, how important do you think it is, Brad, to have that equaliser? Or maybe not even the equaliser, the ability to really put doubt in someone's mind when you get to those higher levels. Yeah, for me, I think that's what it is a lot of the time, that the doubt, you know, you if you go out for a first round with someone and they hit you with a shot and it's, oh, fucking hell, you know, I've, I felt that, yeah. I don't want to feel that again. I think for the rest of that, the 12-round fight, you know, you're going to be wary, you're going to be cautious. Um, if you go out that first round, you get caught clean on the chin and you think, right, you know, I can take this, happy days. Um you know, it just gives you a little bit more confidence to kind of take the risk and to kind of put the pressure on when you have to. Um, and like you say, it's always that equaliser. If the fight's not going your way, later on in the fight where you can pull it out of the bag. Um, one of my favourite fighters of all time, Julian Jackson, you know, we could just, you were never, ever safe. Never safe, not for one moment. Um, you can win 11 rounds for the fight and switch off for one second and, you know, you're going to sleep and, I think fighters like that, um, you know, they they just you, they're exciting as well, which makes people want want to tune in. Um, you know, it's all good. You know, we'll say we appreciate watching a twelve round boxing lesson. You know, we can appreciate it as boxers and as boxing fans, but you know, you'd much rather watch someone get knocked out cold, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, as brutal as brutal as it sounds. You all of a Terry Norris. Yeah. yeah, Terry Norris or Julian Jackson. Julian Jackson, of course, he's been the one against Errol Graham in Benel Medina. Was it 1990, November 1990 or around that time of year? I think it was 89 or 90. When um he had that that trip, that was the equaliser. That was the, you know, that was like being 4-0 down and winning 5-4 
with the last, you know, with yeah, a sensational like next punch. door wins when you played at kids, you know, isn't it? That? I'm, I'm a believer that maybe you don't need to be a murderer's row puncher, but you certainly need that pop unless you're someone like Sonny Edwards who can break your heart through being in range and all that. I mean, that's why I'm a, such a massive fan of Miguel Cotto. He, he you know, he wasn't uh, a concussive one punch knockout hurt. Artist, but you had to. He, he, he gave you respected his power straight away, but he also had them skills where he could read everything you was doing. It'd make you, it'd make you miss by the smallest margin at his palm. And that, that's the reason I'm a big fan, fan of Cotto. I'm even wearing his tracksuit tonight, even if uh, never got the result for me in this fight. <laughs> Round four, um. Um, well, this, you know what? I've just been thinking. I, you know, I haven't been the most enamoured at times with Anthony Joshua, but I've found this, the, the stick he's been getting the last three, four weeks a little bit too much. First, he was hammered over um, maybe fighting the Australian Dempsey McKean when he comes back in April. And now he's fighting Jermaine Franklin, which to me is a perfectly good fight, but there's still some grumbling. I just don't get, you know, he's just come off of two really bad losses. Um, this against Usyk, well, you know, when I, when I say bad, you know, in world title fights, yes, they're bad losses. The second one, he seemed to have some sort of mental breakdown. And the fact that people were uh, uh, saying he should be getting in with Wilder straight away or getting in with Fury after those two fights is utter madness. And I don't see anything wrong with him having a gimme when he comes back. I wouldn't even have complained if he had some, um, someone five times worse than Dempsey McKean when he came back. I just find it I, I'm just a bit, I just don't, I just think there's this real, everyone wants, you know, there's obviously everyone loves Tyson Fury, but there's a real, let's just bash Josh, Joshua at the moment. And I, 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 it wouldn't matter to me if he come back with, with someone who's not even in the world's top 100 just to get that win before he kicks on. Yeah, yeah I think I think he deserves it, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He deserves it. I think. I think out of a lot of the people, um, especially the heavyweights, if you look at his resume, he's never been scared to get in there with Josh, with you know the the people that the fans are crying out for him to fight Joshua, um, which is why I think now, like you say, he's took two fights against Usyk there, um, which you know is the bigger one of the division, and no one wants to fight him. Joshua's got in there with him twice, and yeah, I, th I think he deserves a little bit of a comeback fight. Uh, get back to winning ways and, like you say, a bit of a confidence booster you've seen after yeah. after the last fight. Um, you know, I think he needs that. And, um, you know, I think with the way you finish that last fight, you won't want to see him in there with Wilder next, would you? Or you won't want to see him in there with Fiori if his head isn't in the right right place. Um, so hopefully a bit of a comeback fight, getting back to winning ways. And then, you know, if his career is anything to go by so far, he'll be, he'll be happy to jump in there with the Wilders and the Fiori's. He's like he's a victim of what we've complained about here a few times, isn't he? If you don't fight often enough, the fighters. Yeah. So every fight becomes a big, important event. Yeah. Why not let him fight Dempsey McKean in April and then Jermaine Franklin in June and then, then someone he... else in September and then fight Wilder at Christmas? That's what boxing should be. Joshua could fight three or four times. Mm. I think Franklin's a, a good a good test, actually. I do. He give White a real good fight and he'll be ambitious. It'll be his big chance. He beat White, I thought. So it's um, I think it's a, a good little matchup, but Joshua should be fighting three, four times. Let him get the rust off under no pressure, and and just I'll mention something about this in my last topic. But he's just a victim of the way boxing's going yeah, at the moment, and, and it, it's gonna sell anyway, isn't it, Joshua? Yeah. Fight. 
People want to put him as someone off the street, and it'll sell people. Absolutely, he could sell out arenas. Absolutely. Um, round five, your final subject, Brad, and you're going to give us your opinions on the YouTubers that are boxing. Yeah, so I've seen. Um, I did, I didn't tune in on Saturday night. Um, you know, it's not my cup of tea. Each to their own. If people want to watch it, uh, but I've seen a lot of a lot of professional boxers taking to Twitter, taking to social media, and having a moan about you know the platform. You know these YouTubers are getting, and you know the money that they're making. And for me, I don't think it's really our place to complain. Um, for me, you know, they're not getting this platform and they're not getting this money because of how good they are. You know, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's they're getting paid so much money because of the of the you know the views that they get and the crowds that they bring in and the paying public. You know, we've. If I was bringing in as many, you know, fans and putting bums on seats as they are, I'm sure I'd be getting the same. Um, it's how it works, you know. You don't get paid for how good you are. You get paid for how much money you're going to make people. And, you know, they're clearly making a lot of people a lot of money at the moment. Um, so, for me, it's it's not really my place to complain. You know, I'd complain if it was, if I was, you know, selling out arenas and, you know, selling all these tickets, but I wasn't getting paid that money. Um but they're doing the job at the end of the day. And yeah, the standard's not very good, but, you know, they're not professional boxers at the end of the day, are they? Now, you know what? I I didn't tune in Saturday. It's not my, I'm with you. It's not my cup of tea. I'm not no real interest in who KSI is. I mean, look, I'm 60 years of age. I've heard of KSI. I met the geezer once at a Frank Buglioni fight and I had no idea who he was. He was a bit surprised, actually, even though that was a few years ago. Because he told me then he had 600,000 followers and it meant nothing to me at all. But anyway, that's by the by. Look, you know what? I, I, I don't give a monkey what they do. If someone gets hurt, that's that side of boxing's problem. You know, and please God, no one does get hurt. But that's their problem uh, on that. You know, the, the Bosserman, Sowerlands, they've got to look after it and take what comes of it. You know, what? My, I have a bigger problem with guys from the white collar who are turning over, who are eight and nine and zero, and have fought six journeymen who have walked them around, and they think they're actual champions. That's, I have a bigger problem with that in boxing than these YouTubers. This is, this is the thing as well. If you watch a lot of them YouTuber crossover fights, whatever, they're probably more evenly matched. You know, the yeah. standard's not as good, but they're getting in with someone who's at a similar level to him. Yeah, this is it. And, you know, I I, I go to boxing like you two do, and you, I, you can spot when a journeyman's having a walk around in London shows, whereas a lot of white-collar kids have turned over. And they're just not good enough, and they're nine and zero. Thankfully, and all credit to the British Boxing Board of Control, they've put the block on this now, and you've got to have some amateur experience, which is fantastic. I don't well, know what's your take on the YouTube. Well, we're over, but going off topic our topics are similar topics, so we'll just carry on. But um, I, I, I was watching all this bitching again about Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. Delahoy is saying he's not got a contract and he's going to move on, and that Espinosa going on about. And I thought, just what, boxing's killing itself. Yeah. And it's pathetic. But one thing, I don't know who Phaser is, or I'm not interested in any of that. <laughs> but what does seem to happen is the f- people who watch that, they get the fights they want. Yeah. We'll, we'll get a YouTuber A against YouTuber B. They don't drag it out and milk it, get the milking stool out and milk it for six months. The fight happens and the fans pack the arena and it sells out. 
and people watch it on pay-per-view in professional bo professional males boxing because the girls give them credit they fight anyone straight away there's no building up there professional male boxing is the people who are controlling it and making the fights it's going down the pan because they're not giving the public what they want to see you know when I, when all this started and various new promoters were saying that they were going to try and branch into the social media side of it by putting on rappers and making it a night of entertainment. That the, the, If they went to those shows and that's what they came away with, they got the wrong end of a stick. The people that go to these YouTube shows, they care about the people who are fighting yeah. because they've been promoted properly and built up. They don't know who's going to win because the fights, they might not know much about the sport, but the fights are re seem to be reasonably evenly matched. And they just take entertainment in the night. They're there from the first fight to the last fight. And that's what yeah. these promote. If these promoters are going to follow the social media platform, they've got to make people care about people like you, Brad, who are good fighters. They've got to match you properly in exciting stuff. And then the fans will come. But at the minute, yeah. YouTube's showing them how to do it. And yeah. you know what? So you use a couple of things you said I was going to say, John. It's that entertainment's the word. It's almost like the sports entertainment side of, of, of the industry where yeah. not like WWE where the outcome's sorted out before and the it's like a soap opera storyline but there's a storyline before the fight there's some rivalry you know there's the beef there they, they sell it brilliantly and it, it is entertainment uh, and for me you know you, you know you've got to look at someone like you know Obviously, the, ironically, he's promoted by the Sauerlands who are heavily involved with this. Maris, is it Mar Maris Bredos, the, the world the, who was the world cruiserweight champion? Yeah. He jumped onto it, challenging Jake Paul. More people know Breedis as the the world champion who challenged Jake Paul than what he actually fucking achieved as a cruiserweight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brad, I mean, someone like you, you, you're a good. If you know Brad, he's a good lad. He's a right laugh. He's a good character. It's like a. It should be a penalty kick. You're in exciting fights. You you you've stepped up every time. Every yeah. time's been good to watch. It's that's what it, should be being done. It, not not it, putting it, some it, shit rapper on singing a ring entrance song. It's got yeah. to be around about you about you people, and that's what the YouTube is. It's about the fighters and it's about the people, and that's it, what they've got to do. This is one thing for me. With like you say, you get the fights that they want. Yeah, I think a lot of the problem with people in my position uh, coming up is. The fans, the fans will say, you've not boxed anyone. You know, you're no good. And in my case, I'll think, right, come on, let's take the step up. Let's take the risk. Take the risk. It doesn't pay off. And then the fans are, ah, it's useless. It's no good. You know, you can't please them a lot of the time. Um, which for me, I think the fans should just be happy when the fighter takes the risk, when the yeah. fighter yeah. takes a plunge. And I think right. if we are, I think a lot more will. If you ask a lot of fat boxing fans who the favourite fighter is, we'll say Arturo Gatti. Yeah. Did he lose 10? <laughs> oh, nine or 10, yeah. I mean, nine or 10, yeah. It's it's mad. It's... And it's not even about just being an exciting brawler, is it? It's about just being yeah. a good fighter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it just, doesn't matter. It you just said it. It's yeah. like, you know what? My favourite fighter is Evander Holyfield. And you look at yeah. him from even when, I mean, he's first, you know, he had the cruiserweight reign. And then I think he fought. Was it Seamus McDonough? And after that, it was just a procession of hard, hard fights, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I love people like Barrera and Morales. And if you follow the if you follow the fight, if you know the story, you get as a fan, you get more from watching them come back. Like Brad will be people who know you. If you come back and beat Denny in a rematch, it just adds to your story, doesn't it? But people yeah, yeah, care definitely. more about that rather than just watch you go through 
20 stage managed victories against people like Steve said, walking you around. No one has to be undefeated. If if you yeah. ups and downs and coming back and it'll build you, it gives your story your career more of a storyline for people to follow and get invested in. I I just think we're going about it completely wrong and we slag off the YouTubers, but maybe we've just got something right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, well, we got two rounds into one there, didn't we? I don't know how Leah edit the bells there and the topics mm. for us there, John. But I think we got a good six minutes in there for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on. Well, I'll tell you what, Brad, thanks for coming on this week. Uh, oh, I'll tell you what, we've got a few go minutes left. Go what, what do you, it's my favourite topic, isn't it? These fucking lightweights. Brad, what do you make of this Davis and Garcia stuff again with the arguing about contracts when it was supposedly done? Yeah, I think it's, you know... I've... Where's this thing come from of having deadlines for a contract? Oh. Like, like, what the fuck is it about? Like, this, is, this is never a thing, and you know, sure, he did it. Um, you know, now it looks like, yeah, the lawyers, you know, shouting it about just make the fight, doesn't matter how long it takes, just make the fight. Um, and it's you know, it's just dramas. It was, you know, last week it was pretty much done. Yeah. You know, today it's pretty much up in the air. And for me, you know, it's a, that's a big fight. That's a big fight. And over in America, when you look at the views and selling tickets and filling out arenas, like that is one of the biggest fights that can be made. Um, but just get the fight done, you know. I think they, I think they both clearly want the fight. Um, but you know, it's a lot of I'm the A side, I'm the B side. I'm getting more money. It's you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're both getting a lot of money. You 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 know, they both believe that they can win the fight. Um, for me, I think it's controversial, but for. I think I'd back Garcia. I really do think I'd back Garcia. Yeah, it's great. I know it's controversial, but I think Garcia's style could could just be a nightmare for Tank. Um, but like you say, he's got that he's got that power where Garcia could win eleven rounds and he could get knocked out in the twelfth. Um, but yeah, for me, I think I don't bet at all, me, but I think I might have a little dabble on Garcia if that fight gets made. Yeah, I'm on the same. But it's something you said there about contracts, John. If you go back, Klitschko and like mate, when Klitschko's were the heavyweight champions, calling the shots, and that Mayweather era when he was at welterweight and fighting every May and September, they wouldn't even bother announcing the fights till six weeks before the contracts wouldn't be signed. Now you've got yeah. to sign a contract four months out about everything. It's just nuts, isn't it? It is. It's nuts. I tell you what, Elbrook would have fought a biggest rival. Been out again fighting another rival in summer <laughs> and then had a big one in Christmas in, in the YouTube world. Instead, we're just going to get excited when we finally announce Tank against Garcia in September, aren't we? It, it's mad. It's mad. Think how big Garcia and Tank could be if we fought each other and then fought Shakur and then had a rematch at Christmas. Think of, about how big they'd be. It's not going to happen, though, is it? It's a fight. I, wouldn't even put, I still wouldn't be shocked if it never happened this year. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I lost the will to live. The one, the one that um that made me more cynical about boxing than ever was when Mayweather and Pacquiao met to met six years too late. They yeah. should have been meeting straight after Manny Pacquiao knocked out Ricky Hatton. That was when Pacquiao was at his absolute hottest. Oh, yeah. yeah, and instead oh, we and waited six years for it. After I'll that, tell you I what, Crawford it, Spencer giving it a good run. Yeah, well, not oh, quite I... six years, but it's already gone, especially with Spence looking like he's moving up. And once he moves up, he's not going to come back down. I, I'm getting to the point now where I don't even think that fight's going to happen. Yeah. 
I really don't. And, and, and if it does, like you say, it'll be like maybe have a pack hour when it's well too late. And, you know, the, the excitement will be gone. It'll, it'll be gone. I, I think with a maybe have a pack hour fight by the time it happened, I don't think anyone was even that arse. No, it was just we just knew it was just a cash cow fight for, yeah. for both of them, and no one denied it. So I'd never deny any boxer that that sort of uh, payday after his pay. But imagine that happening a few months after Ricky had lost to Pacquiao. Yeah. Or after Cotto had bust up Margarito. Yeah, those yeah those sort of times. I mean, uh, you just become cynical about it. And you're a young man, Brad. You know, a young man in his twenties with a big career ahead of him, and you're talking there of Spence um, and Crawford, and you're cynical about it ever happening. And when it does, it'll be past it. You know, and and you're a young you're a you're a young young man in this game. You know, it, it, it's a you know, what you're saying is right, but this is, you've got about YouTubers, John, and they're giving what they want. When young boxers are well, getting cynical Brad's, about greats meeting or sounding cynical, it's, people, people are Brad's age. That's, people that's the Brad's point age I'm will say, oh, well, KSI will fight. I can't even invent a name. And it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, what you said there was just listening and looking at you saying that, Brad, it said a lot to me when you know, when you young people, you need to embrace the sport, whether they're boxers yeah. or what, not make absolutely correct points about when they fight and will anyone care? What a shame that would be. We live in a we live in a time when people want everything now. If you want something, you can go on your phone. If you've got Amazon Prime, it's in your house the next day or the yeah. same day. Yeah. People want everything now. Boxing's in the dark ages where they're letting things build up and build up. And the YouTubers and stuff are, are giving people what they want straight yeah, you're away. Right. You're right, John. You only have to look at things like um, when there's a drama series on BBC. You can, If you're an old fogey like me, you can watch it every Sunday night on the TV. But if you need it now, you just go to BBC Player and watch the lot in uh, six hours. Yeah, exactly. Bit, bit of Downton Abbey. <laughs> you know what? I love the first that series of that, and then I got a bit. I got rid of it after that. I couldn't do it. I'm into that that thing with Sarah Lancashire at the moment. I think on a Sunday night, but it's fantastic. But there you go. That's that's me. That's what old people do on a Sunday night. They watch Sarah Lancashire um, as a police sergeant. I, mean, I forget what it's called, but I know she's in it. Yeah. Anyway, fellas, we gone from YouTubers to Sarah Lancashire to 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 Brad talking about. Spence and Crawford in about 60 seconds. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but Brad, thanks very much for joining us. All the best for um, getting back in the gym and I hope it's not too long before you're allowed to punch again. John, no, thanks time, as thanks always. I know you, yes, you've been a brilliant guest and we'll get you on again in a few months. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. John, thanks as always. I know you've had a busy day, mate, so you can chill now and, and catch <laughs> up and watch, uh, I don't know, Downton Abbey on Box or something. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give, I'll give it Steve Lillis recommended series one, so I'll give it a go. <laughs> but thanks very much, everyone who's watching and listening. And we'll see you all next week. Where I think we're going back to uh, the 90s next week. Cornelius Carr's going to come on the show next week. Bloody hell. Yeah, he, he wants to come on, listens every week, wants to come on. So he's booked for next week. Cornelius Carr's our special guest. Thanks, fellas, and thanks, everybody. Info, news, and latest interviews. Amateur and pro across and off. Click and subscribe. VIP boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.